Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to MBR, or as we like to call it around here, Nothing But Rants, the show where I find topics that I'm oddly passionate about, and I pontificate upon them. These are not hot takes, but rather takes that I'm hot about. Shut up and grind some tape. Woo-wee. Them seats are hot. Them seats are hot already. 11 weeks into college football season, we already got some folks losing their job. Welcome into tonight's show. We got a loaded one for you. Go ahead, off the rip, hit that thumbs up, like, subscribe, rate, review. Again, boys and girls, we are 11 weeks into the college football season, and them dominoes. Them dominoes starting to fall. Um, Texas A&M beat Mississippi State Saturday 51-10. to 10, And not one, but both football coaches in that contest lost their job. Um, and I think that's a first. I think that's a first in college football history. I don't know of one. I've never. I can't uh, off the top of my head think of one. I can't either. And it, it was an interesting timeline for Texas A&M. They basically fired him on Thursday. Results be damned. They were like, nah, he gone. He cooked. We're terrible against actual good SEC opponents. We haven't won a road game in the SEC in the last, I don't know, two years, it seems like, out there at Texas A&M. The quality of football was simply not good enough for their athletic department, so they ponied up $76 million as a fan base and as a football program uh, to get Jimbo Fisher out of there. But I think we should start on the other side of this controversy or other side of this storyline, which is Zach Arnett losing his job. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I, I don't know what Manns was supposed to do. I mean, what an impossible job. Not First of all, not only is it like criminally hard, not criminally hard, not only is it incredibly hard to win at Mississippi State, but to do so after Mike Leach passed away, just, I mean, it's almost like taking over a triple option offense, to be honest with you, okay? Because you know you're not going to air raid like that guy air raid, because guess what? Nobody air raids like that guy air raided. Not even Lincoln Riley, his chief disciple, doesn't play football like that dude did, okay? So he didn't recruit football like that dude did either, all right? That, that recruiting turnover was completely different. The offensive redesign was completely an overhaul. Everything about that job was difficult, and you gave them about 11 months to try to win it out. Like, that's really, really, really hard to do at Mississippi State, um, no matter who you are. But let's be honest, I don't know what the expectations. We always talk about on this channel, and I wish and I, I pray that one day we're big enough to where I have people in the chat answering this question. But what are the expectations at Mississippi State? Because if there are to be a contender in that conference, that's a little bit unrealistic, okay? But you are 4-6, and six, and it's no momentum, zero momentum right now for Mississippi State. A 14-point loss to Auburn, a 21-point loss to Kentucky, a 41-point loss to Texas A&M. Those are the last three weeks. Ain't no Uncle Mo around them parts, all right? Ain't no momentum, and if there's zero momentum, Honestly, there's zero reason to probably keep you around because we have to start building some type of positive momentum sometime soon. Um, so I guess I understand it. But boys, first of all, welcome in. My question to you is, how, how do you win at Mississippi State? How did they expect Zach Arnett to win at Mississippi State with this much of a turnover as a defensive mind? I think you have to do what Dan Mullen did in 2015. It was 2015, right? I think yeah. it was 2015. 
You got to get a special. You got to get a couple special players. You got to find you a Dak Prescott, and you got to find him. You got to find you some other players around him. And if it is just for one year, that's enough, in my opinion, at least from an outsider's perspective on what Mississippi State's ex- expectations are. If you can do what Dan Mullen did in two thousand fifteen, and you, if you can create those types of expectations for just even a singular season. I think you'll be okay, but you have to do those types of things, or you have to be what Mike Le- Le- Leach was and just be creative as hell on offense. And be, be lovable, by yes. the way. Be yeah. likable. I think that was part of the reason why he got to keep his job for so long and everywhere he was. Like Mike Leach turned in seven and five seasons like every other mm-hmm. slightly above average football coach. He was just beloved. We all loved him, so everything was all copacetic when he went six and six. Yeah, I mean, I think – Zach Arnett was set up for failure from the moment yeah. go because yeah. and part of me says part part of me thinks that this says that Mississippi State never really thought he was the guy. Yeah, they brought him in as the interim because you 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 were kind of shoved into a coaching search. You didn't have a lot of time to do it. You didn't. You were so far behind like some of the other teams were. You put him as the interim. You won the bowl game. It's emotional. You you kind of have to hire him, but you don't have the roster or the team that would be able to succeed. And then just everything going in from this, you kind of said okay. This isn't going to work out. Let's go get a guy we actually really want to be our head coach. So that's what I think it said to me. Was it fair to Zach or not? Absolutely not. I don't think you can live up to any expectations like that. But yeah, yeah I don't. I don't know too many head coaches I would want to follow up that situation of having to come in there, get some buy-in from their guys after a moment like that happens, after a treasure of a human being passes away like that. So I think it was fitting. It probably it was the right move in my opinion. Just hire inside, hire a guy that your players are familiar with. Not too much change going on at once. You don't want to overwhelm your players. And you know it 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 really was a good move in the sense too of like if it works out, great. It worked out for you. And if it doesn't, then that's okay because I think people had the expectations of we don't think this will work out, but we'll give it a test anyways. I, I would imagine you just I, if I were Mississippi State, I would try to be the, a feeder program for great football coaches. I would try to find the next young mid-major coach that's hot as shit right now, bring him in, let him win at our program for three years, and just feed him right on to Alabama or feed him right on to Tennessee or feed him right on to some other bigger program. And and, and I know that's like a slight – like it sounds like a shot at your program. But to be honest with you, that's all that's really probably going to be available for you. You're always going to be Dan Mullen wins 10 games here and then goes to Florida and flames out and proves that he can't win at a top-10 program. All right, that's what it's going to be for Mississippi State moving forward. Um, I, I again, if there's no mo, you got to go. I mm-hmm. understand why they did what they did. Yeah. Um, and it makes sense. What they didn't have to do is pay almost eighty million dollars for the guy to go retire. That's nuts. Let's talk about Texas A&M. Um, I ain't never seen nothing like this. I have never seen a buyout like this. Um, and and something that's executed like this, uh, an extension just 24, 30 months ago. For Jimbo Fisher, a 10-year extension of which they're going to eat seven and a half years of. They're going to eat seven and a half years of Jimbo Fisher's contract here. Um, I got some notes on this contract buyout, boys. Uh, they got to eat $76 million. 19.8. 19.8. Almost $20 million due within the next 60 days to Jimbo Whew. Fisher's bank account. Man, just won the lottery. No shit. I mean, it ain't even a joke. He did. He won the lottery, and that's 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 pre-tax income too. I definitely would have been pulling at Ed Orgeron and saying, "Just tell me which where where you want me to go, and I'll head out that door right now." Buddy, I think he did that last December. <laughs> I think the last eight months have been kick your feet up for Jimbo Fisher. Oh yeah, for I sure. think he hired Rick Patino or uh, yeah Patino just to act like he was trying. Mm-hmm. Bobby Patino, Bob, Bobby Petrino, excuse yeah. me, Rick Patino, hookers, strippers, Louisville, um, Bobby Patino. 
car wreck motorcycle affairs yeah mm -hmm. neck brace kind of hard one's a vampire one's one's cheating on his wife hard to know exactly um, and patino patrino really close to each other too mm -hmm. um but no this this was this was crazy money to just be delving out um and it kind of proves who they can be and who we know they are in terms of a an affluent fan base um but i, I got one serious question i got one serious question guys Texas, who is Texas a &M? What is Texas a &M? Are they good? Are, is this a good coaching job? Because some people will tell you just because you got resources and just because you got money that it's a great job. But I'm here to tell you, ain't nobody ever won at this program. Not consistently. Not, not since the 80s. Ain't nobody consistently won at this program ever. So am I to suspect that y'all just can't make the right hire or am I to suspect that you just can't win there? Because Gene Stallings flamed out at Texas A&M, took 25 years off coach college football, and then managed to win a national title at Alabama. So, like, is it you guys? Or is it just y'all can't find the right one? And, again, Bear Bryant did the same thing. Bear Bryant went out there, had some good years, and then, whoo, become the greatest coach of all time at Alabama down the road. So, I have a hundred and what's this? I have a hundred and twenty-one years. I have a hundred and twenty-one years of history of football at Texas A&M. Y'all Sun Guns got less than 10, 10 win seasons. Y'all, y'all are not. You know, your fan base is one of the best in the country. Y'all show up. Y'all pay. Y'all give money to an eight-win football program. And I don't. Again, I don't want to piss y'all off, but that's what it is. And it ain't been nothing but that. For the history, 121 years of history of football with this program, they have not won. So, boys, how good of a job is this at Texas A&M outside of they got a bunch of money? We know they got money, but they don't have a bunch of wins. Well, I'll tell you what, it's not getting any better for them. Texas is coming to the SEC, and they're on the rise right now. Oklahoma's getting better under Venables. Missouri is getting a better as a program those are all states that are recruiting within the state of texas around that area and are going to all be in the same conference as you by next year and if great you can drop a bag better than anybody else and you can pay those kids and you can get all the five stars just like you did a couple years ago to get the number one recruiting class and you had the best rating ever and whatnot it has not produced results and if that continues to be the case then maybe those bags don't seem so full anymore even if it is st still stacked full of cash because texas on the other hand still can compete with you there they're actually putting up results they're competing oklahoma's on the rise and Missouri has this great NIL deal, too, for themselves right now. So it's not getting any better. So Texas A&M is kind of weird to me because history says, no, they're not, a, they're not a good job. They're not a top 15 program. But I think what we've seen them go through in the last 12 seasons is kind of what has gotten them to this status. Think about what they were before Johnny Football. I was about to say, if they don't have Johnny Football, they're a nothing. Exactly. They're exactly. Nothing. I mean, you go to the SEC, you get all this SEC money now. Johnny Football comes along, makes Texas A&M synonymous. I mean, you see Texas A&M, you see Johnny Manziel. That's what you see. That's kind of the brand it is now, which is kind of boosted them into getting more money, getting more revenue, people pay attention more. It's kind of now become this top 10 job. So historically, no, it hasn't been this great job. But I still think there is a lot of left there to win with. Obviously, you can recruit at a high level. Jimbo Fisher did it with his feet up on the desk. So it's it's kind of you you can still be a top ten job there. I think it still is a top ten job. Yes, things are getting worse for you. Oklahoma, Texas, all those teams are coming in. Missouri's on the rise, such as that. But it's still a top ten job to me, and it hasn't been. It is now in the last ten years. I got a take. Hmm. What if they're just too ugly and weird to be a good football program? 
That they maroon, are weird. That maroon, so weird. that maroon is god awful ugly. That dark, dark maroon. I don't mm-hmm. have a problem with that. I do. I think it's hideous. It's the midnight. I, I think the, just only having two primary colors is weird to me. You're white and you're maroon. You're not red, black, and white. I but, mean, all it just, beside the point. But the weirdness is definitely there. Yes, they are so weird. The whole fan base in general uh, and all the traditions are very, very weird. Um, I think you got to modernize. You got to spice up some stuff uh, potentially to get, you know, stop, I don't know. It's stop not broadcasting midnight, yo. That's a goofy-ass take. So don't, don't, don't be clipping me on that one. But seriously, I've always hated the unis. I think they're gross. I just wanted <laughs> to get that out there. It's an ugly uniform. And honestly, when they fill that stadium out with maroon and, and, and that, that, that uh, the color of the military uniform over oh. in the corner – it's just not aesthetically pleasing. No, I don't I care don't, if you have 120,000 people in the stadium. I don't have a huge problem with the uniform colors. I mean, Bama's virtually the same color. Oklahoma. It's crimson. Texas is burnt. Uh, Texas is burnt orange and white. That's so much darker. Very different colors for Alabama and Texas A&M. Yeah, yeah. but there's, it's similar shades. But it's the it's the cult that's actually getting them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably. Not the joke of a of a take from the, the jersey. But, hey, who could actually replace them? I got a list of names here um, that popped up in every single article that I found today. So let's just go through these and, and just say yes or no. All right, Dan Lanning, the head coach at Oregon, would he leave Oregon to go to Texas A&M? Oil money versus Nike money. So no. I, no. Think, I think Nike money wins still. I think so, too. And he's in a better situation there. He is. It's already built. It's ready to go. Um, UTSA's Jeff Trailer. I say we save him for last. Mm. Okay. okay. Mike Norvell at FSU. Could they still two Florida State coaches in a row? Mm. Hold the phone on it. Let's see what happens. You know what Mike Norvell said today? Mm. He said it was funny. Two years ago, people were counter-recruiting me saying, that guy's not even going to be there. He's going to get fired in two years. And now they're saying that I'm winning so many games that, no, there's no way that guy's going to be there. He's going to get hired out. That sounds like a football coach that ain't leaving to me. I'm going to put an X by Mike Norvell. Kalen DeBoer, the head coach at Washington. I don't think so. I, uh, I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, you're going to lose a whole lot of that roster. So, if there ever were a time to leave Washington for a job like Texas A&M and the SEC, that's that now would be the time. Yeah, but you're going to go to the Big Ten and get Big Ten money. Why would you want to compete in the SEC before – like going from Pac-12 to SEC is a huge jump. Also been a uh, Northwestern guy his entire life. Uh, went to high school in Washington uh, in Sioux Falls. Uh, got his first head coaching job at Fresno State and then turned it into Washington. That dude's a Southwest dude. He don't know nothing about the South. Let's put a question mark next to DeBoer because maybe he just thinks the challenge is worth taking. All that traveling might change it. Absolutely. Mike Elko at Duke, that's a legit. I like that one. That's a legit. Let's put a question mark next to that one. Um, Lane Kiffin. I just don't – I just – I can't see it. Here's my thing. I think A&M is the ideal job for Lane Kiffin. It's exactly what Lane Kiffin wants. You're getting, you're getting the recruiting abilities. You're getting the resources. And they getting, already have their pitchforks ready. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're getting the fan base ready for you. I mean, you don't really you're, – you're not having to follow up. Not that it would bother him, but you're not having to follow up a Saban or a Kirby. You have expectations to win national titles, and I think you have the ability to build rosters to do it. I don't know if he takes that job. I think people are kind of saying he's waiting out for the Alabama job. But then again, Bama might give that to Glenn Schumann, so he might take this opportunity when he can. But – I, I think Lane Kiffin has got to be one of your top guys you go after this year. I think you try. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think, like we talked about a couple of shows ago, I think Lane's waiting on Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, but the pro- like I said, the problem is, though, what if Schumann's waiting on Alabama too? Hmm. Because then if, if Emma goes and hires Schumann and they obviously are going to fill the A&M void this year, you're Lane Kiffin. You're just going to have to s- sit at Ole Miss. I mean, he's sitting at Ole Miss now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't – 
man, I, I don't know what Lane's end goal is, but it's not Ole Miss. Um, but the only reason he would ever go to A&M is because he just – he wants that much money. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can certainly pay him all of the money in the world uh, to go do that. But if the end goal – and maybe I'm, maybe I'm misled here. Maybe I think the Alabama stuff, just because it's the easy stance and everybody thinks it's going to happen – um, may, maybe he does take this A&M job, but taking this A&M job would remove him from the opportunity to coach at Alabama. And here's why. He either flames out and gets fired at Texas A&M like Jimbo just did, and Alabama's off the, the table anyways, or he has too much success, and they just pay him out the ass anyways to never leave Texas A&M. Well, I mean, something I think you have to consider, too, is I don't think Nick Saban really likes Lane Kiffin. And I would have to imagine that when Nick Saban finally does retire, he's going to have some say in who his his heir is to that hmm. throne. Why do you think that? Certain reasons. Why? I don't. I don't know that I th- would think that. You don't think so? Mm-mm. You don't think Saban gets input? Um, who could, follows him up? You nah. don't. You don't think that after all he's done for that program, he says, "Y'all, please do not hire this Dude, guy." They're not going to at least take that in consideration. Oh, I think they would. They would absolutely do that. I don't think it'd be like. I don't think he would say like, "No, don't hire Lane Kiffin." Nick Saban worked with Lane Kiffin. Yeah, and I don't I don't think he likes Lane Kiffin for other you, reasons. You don't think he likes Lane? No. I think he gave Lane some extra special ass chewings back in the day. Yeah. Sure. Um, but I think he has a, quote, tremendous amount of respect for Lane. Um, but I, I don't know if it's going to be – I don't know if Saban would be like, you're not allowed to hire that guy. Yeah. Unless it were somebody who he actually despised. I don't know if he despises Lane. I just think Lane was very different than him. Um but I also could see Nick Saban walking off and retiring at Alabama and then just working on college game day's desk for like two years and then him and Miss Terry just living it out on the lake. But then again, I also think maybe Nick Saban never retires. Maybe just just croaks on a sideline one day. I, honestly, that'd be my dream. If I'm just like 98 years old and right here on live television, I'm just like, they're a bunch of frauds. That'd be dope, man. 98, 98 years in, just give the take until the, until, until the final resting point. That'd be dope. Yeah, for sure. So, on back to these coaching questions. Um, Deion Sanders? No. no not this no, year because absolutely of his, his son's Slick coming fired, back. Slick fired their guy a year too early because I think they could have had Deion Sanders. I mm-hmm. think Deion Sanders would have been, apart from all the traditions, yeah. that would have been really, really weird. He probably would have nixed those immediately. Um, but I think it would have been really, really fun. You tell me you're going to give that – that mercenary, the biggest bag in the world. That My would, God, it would be fun. I don't. I mean, I don't think Deion Sanders is an incredible coach. He has. He has. He hasn't proven that he is. No, he hasn't yet. But he's proven that he can recruit relatively well. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, but Nothing he also else. took over a horrendous situation yeah. in Colorado. Yeah. It's it's falling off really, really quickly there. Hey, welcome into tonight's show. We got a great one for you. I know we're already really deep into this one, 20 minutes in. We have our week 11 reactions from Saturday. Should the Heisman discussion be over? We'll talk about it. And our CFP rankings prediction coming at the end of the show. But I want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at Prize Picks. Make sure you're running over to prizepicks.com using promo code Brooks today for you or for those of you who have not signed up already. Um, and go get you some action over there on Prize Picks. PrizePicks.com using promo code Brooks. You'll get a 100% deposit match. What does that mean? You put in $100, up to $100, you will get matched instantly 
over there on Prize Picks. Week 11 reactions, boys. We had us a good weekend of college football. I want to start with Texas kind of squeaking past TCU. Uh, yet another late finish and a late push from teams sneaking up on Texas. Um, Texas allowed three plays of 40-plus yards in the fourth quarter alone on Saturday. Um, that's how you give up touchdowns late in the football game to even an offense like TCU. And I think that has – I wouldn't say it's a huge concern, but it has to be a little concerning because one of the biggest reasons why people, and at least we, continue to be a believer in Texas Texas is because, well, yeah, your offense is really good, but you also have the defense to back up that offense. You have a defense that can compete with pretty much everybody. At least you did against Alabama, and you set that precedent for the rest of the season. But if you're giving up gashers like that to someone like TCU this late in the season, might have to put a little bit of a slight question mark. The more I watch Texas, the worse I feel about them. Mm-hmm. I mean, since the Bama game, and I think they've kind of made their their name this season because of that Bama game. You, obviously, you go and, and beat Bama, you deserve to get the recognition. Especially what Bama's turned into. Yeah, yes. you you deserve to get the recognition for it. But other than that, they haven't really done anything to impress me. You lost to Oklahoma, and they've kind of just been limping past teams these past mm-hmm. few weeks. I think Texas might have peaked at the wrong time. I don't know. They might hit a second peak here. but You know, I used to be obviously a solo guy, and every once in a while, you two sons of bitches will give a take, and I'm like, mm, I wish I stole that take. I wish that was my take. But it goes out under my network, so it's kind of my take. Right? Yeah, it's still yours. That was a delicious take. Thank you. Texas might have peaked too early. This take is brought to you by Brooks Austin. <laughs> Sponsored by Brooks no, Austin. That's, that's a really good one right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, nah, they, they, they squeak past TCU. They got to squeak by uh, one more this weekend before they're in the Big 12 championship. Uh, and it looks like they're going to rematch with Oklahoma. I think so. Yeah. yeah, that's what the word is. Oh, I think Oklahoma that's State lost yeah, the this weekend. Um, speaking, well, not speaking. Speaking of squeaking by, uh, escaping. Florida State keeps doing it. Florida State keeps having these one win or one score wins. I want you boys' thoughts on this football game because I'm probably going to go the other way. I told you, I told you last week, I said this game is going to be close late in this football game. You're going to see it run across the ticking by, whoa, one score football game, FSU and Miami. A little surprising, but again, I'll just keep saying what I keep saying about Florida State. If you continue to win, if you continue to be undefeated, and you put yourself in the position to be in a college football playoff spot, we can't say anything else about you. Good football teams continue to find ways to win. It continues to look ugly. We may not pick you as the favorite to win a national title, but by God, you're putting yourself in a position to own one of those four spots. I was surprised by this game. I don't know if I was shocked by it. I, I don't think I watched this game and said, oh my God, Miami's this close with Florida State. Again, Florida State's another one of these teams where it's kind of just like you just have to limp to the playoff and then get there. You have to play your best football in the next two weeks. I mean, this game against Florida coming up might be interesting to watch. But other than that, I think, like you said, just keep winning games and you'll be fine. Now, I think offensively there's some question or some cause for some concern. Uh, scoring 27 points against a Miami defense that's kind of been giving it up uh, over the last several weeks. Um, but they do have some defensive back talent out there in Miami so it it makes a little sense but here's the thing guys uh this score is a little bit deceiving it's 27 to 20 and in the second half listen to this Miami had uh let's see here they had one true scoring offensive drive they had an 11 play like 88 yard scoring drive okay um other than that they had a field goal on the first possession of the second half in which they got the ball back due to an onside kick okay they had an 80 yard passing touchdown All right, one play, 80 yards, boom, explosive. The other seven possessions, seven, the other seven possessions in the second half of that football game were either a punt or a turnover that culminated in five plays or fewer. Whoa. 
Yeah, buddy. So, apart from like three or four plays, Florida State probably should have won this game 27-6 to six or 27-7. to seven. And the analysis of this football game sounds totally different with that in mind, right? If you just think about that, seven possessions that ended in either a punt or a turnover that were five plays or fewer. That's 35 plays of this game that were just nothing from Miami's offense, thanks to Florida State's defense. They played really, really well on the defensive side of the football. Um, but again, they are – I'm with you all. They are squeaking out wins, and they are doing it in a fashion very akin to like the chat saying right now, TCU did last year against a pretty bottom-dwelling Big 12. I think the most alarming thing about this game is that Miami kind of somewhat showed the recipe for how you can beat this Florida State team, which is just have a secondary that can stymie the wide receivers. Because if Jordan Travis can't make a play to throw to those guys, I don't think they have the ability to run the ball consistently and just pound it down your throat. Mm. I mean, they obviously couldn't do it against Miami. What makes you think they're going to do it against a Texas or a Georgia or a Michigan or a team that's really built to stop the run? So Yeah, I will say that I believe Keon Coleman was coming back from injury this week. Mm -hmm. I think he missed last week and has come back from – so maybe that had a little bit to do with it. But the worst thing that could have happened to um, – FSU this week was Louisville losing to Virginia. If they had lost mm. to Virginia, that would have been worse for you than anything else that could have happened, in my opinion. And they barely squeaked that one out. Yes. Yeah. Did, uh, did Louisville. Um, shouts out to Virginia just continuing to show up every yeah. single week and play Every hard. single Shout week. Shout out Ty Furnish. Yeah, that too. Um, oh, I forgot. I totally forgot. I'm going to cut this back into that Texas A&M clip. Ready? You know who you should hire? You should hire Jed Fish. The head coach at Arizona. Arizona was a bottom dweller in the Pac-12. A bottom dweller. They're a top 20 football program in 18 months, 24 months under Jed Fish. You know what? Showed he could actually coach a football team. Not take a bunch of talented football players from another regime and win football games. Nah, dog. Built it from the bottom up, okay, into a winner, into a legitimate winner. Hire Jed Fish. Don't do all these fancy hires. Keep seeing Urban Meyer floated out. That's some dog shit. All right, back to these Week 11 uh, reactions. Do we have any more thoughts on that uh, FSU game? Negative. I want to hear y'all shit on Michigan right quick. What do we take away from that Michigan win? I just continue to be unimpressed with them. Now, defense is great. I, don't get me wrong. And you, you guys have – that's what they've been their pride and joy for the last couple of years is that they have great defenses and you got a great offensive line. J.J. McCarthy can do everything to help you win games. He may not actually win you the game, but he's going to put you in a position to win the game. And we heard all this great stuff about J.J. McCarthy and how he's throwing the ball really well, which he is. But – I just like, and I, I think you've mentioned this before. It's like they just aren't winning in the fashion that you should be if you are going to compete for a national title. You did not Correct. beat Penn State the way that you'll have to beat a top four program come December, or this how you, gets it. or you'll have to probably beat Ohio State here in a couple of weeks. It just doesn't make any sense to me, and I get it. You got all these distractions going around on your program, and why not? Jim Harbaugh's not there. You have all the excuses in the book, but man, I just continue to be unimpressed with you. I feel like I'm one of the few people that wasn't unimpressed with this win. It was just kind of like, all right, they went in and beat Penn State. You were a better roster than Penn State. You controlled the game for most of the game. Like, there was never really a doubt, like, hey, never. you know, Michigan's in real trouble here. They did what they were supposed to do. The problem I have was with how they handled themselves. Crying after the game was like, I just want to thank God. I mean, y'all were cheating, bro. Y'all got caught cheating and acting like Jim Harbaugh died. Michigan versus the world. Yeah. I love I mean, a good, uh, first of all, I want to thank my Lord and Savior. And then dropping a shit and an F-bomb within, like, I mean, six seconds. Yeah. Within six seconds. Talk to these effing guys. Yeah. Um, but, no, you're right. The, the whole victim the whole victim 
thing is just disgusting. The the president of the university, the way that dude's been tweeting, athletic director, whoever Ono is, whatever that guy is, just gross. Just gross, uh, just homerism from a guy that can't admit that his football program uh, is absolutely filled with some cheaters, it apparently seems. Um, but here's my thing. Go, go, ahead. Ahead. go ahead. I was just saying, it's kind of crazy to think that this year, like 90% of the country is going to be cheering for Ohio State in the game. Yeah. Like, you, usually it's the other way around. It's like Michigan. That's, that's how big of a cheating scandal this was. Ohio State's become the lovable underdog. Man, I told that's my – That's nuts. My, so, my future father-in-law is a Michigan fan, and I told him, I said, I, I hate to tell you, I said, I think I'm going to be cheering for Ohio State when we watch this game in a couple of weeks. Yeah. You would have thought I told him that I killed someone or something like that. It, it, it hurt him that deep that I had said that. But I was like, dude, I can't sit here in good conscience and root for a team that willingly tried to basically ruin this beautiful sport. Is he a truth denier? What does he What does he talk about? Because I, I gave my my stint on Sunday service about my boy uh, Cam. I mean, I think now he acknowledges it. But at first, I mean, I think everybody was a little skeptical at first. But he's not one of these Michigan men that's coming to bat for Jim Harbaugh and all yeah. these boys. He's none of that. Yeah. But never wants me rooting for Ohio State. You know State. what I love? I love how uh, Michigan fans and uh, my boy Joe Klatt and all the Big Ten defenders and all the Michigan's good defenders. They are good. Don't get me wrong. Um, everybody's doing the, oh, they ran the football 32 times in a row. They ran it 27 times in a row in the second half, didn't throw the ball once. Some bitch, they put up 287 yards of total offense. Find me the national championship game where the winner of the national championship game put up less than 300 yards of total offense. I dare you. I dare you. You'll probably have to dig it all the way back to the 1990s. Ain't nobody winning a national championship like this, dog. Y'all got to beat Penn State like that. Congratulations. You got to beat one of the most anemic top 10 offenses that this sport has ever seen. You got to beat a Penn State football team that scored 30 points against Michigan and Ohio State three times in the last 22 matchups. Congratulations. You got to bully ball that football team. And I've talked about it. We're going to remain consistent. If you're a football team that's out here just, oh, we're big bad bullies. Guess what? You're not winning a national title. You're not. Not. Until you're playing a balanced football game, until you're throwing the football explosively like they do against the shitter or shitty opponents on their schedule. When they get into a, an actual football game against a top 10 matchup, they want to throw the ball eight times and put up 287 yards of total offense and go, ooh, look, we're Michigan. Congrats. Y'all do it every single year, and then you play a real offense. And guess what happens? You lose. So we'll see if it happens again this year. But I don't I don't think the we play nine offensive linemen, who that shit don't work in the SEC. That shit don't work against good offenses. It didn't work last year against TCU. So show me that you can go out and put up 500 yards of total offense and win in an explosive manner. Um, and, and you mentioned Ohio State. I, I don't think Ohio State's football game is going to strike out or look out any different than this one did right here. I think Michigan tries to put them in a box. I think Michigan struggle or uh, Kyle McCord struggles a little bit. Okay, throws for about two hundred yards. All right, Michigan score or Ohio State scores twenty four points. Michigan scores twenty eight, and they sit on it the whole second half. I think that's exactly how that football game works out because this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like every single year when they play a formidable opponent. They just sit on the football the whole second half. And we know you can't do that and you can't consistently win like that to have national title aspirations because look at what Alabama has had to do the last second half of this season. Yeah. They talked about doing bully ball and doing exactly what you wanted to do and did against Penn State of, oh, we're going to run the football, we're going to turn back the clock, and we're going to go back to the SEC roots of college football and show these boys what's up. 
Well, clearly that didn't work out for them in the first part of the season, and now that's why we continue to see Alabama improve every single week. And while they still rely on their run game and they rely on Jalen Milrow to be an athlete, they're doing exactly what you mentioned of they're creating explosive passing plays when they need to, and they're being able to put up points like they did against Kentucky this last weekend. If Drew Auer doesn't fumble the football in his own end, do they even like? Do they even have twenty four points in this football game? No, I don't no. think so. No, they get gifted a touchdown essentially mm-hmm. with uh, Drew Hour fumbling the ball inside his own forty. I just, I, I know it's easy to sit there and go, "Oh, look how impressive they are running the football." Um, by the way, they didn't run it that impressively. They ran for four point five yards a carry. That's not world beater. That's we beat Penn State because Penn State couldn't try to score in nine quarters against us. Yeah, I, I think that the kind of overinflation of, oh my God, they ran the ball 27 times in the second half and won the game is a very misleading stat because it's not like they were shoving down their throats or taking the game away. They just kind of sat on the football because it was like, oh, they're not going to score points. It, it reminds me a lot of what the water boy. Yeah, I said, <laughs> yeah, I said it in Sunday service. Bobby uh-huh. Boucher offense. Yeah. How y'all like my new offense? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's exactly what it was. Let's yeah. just take it. Let's just take a knee for the rest of the second half because they're not going to score points. No, they are not. And they, like I said, they could have they could have sat there for twelve quarters and they wouldn't have scored. I was sitting at a tailgate watching the second half of that football game, and somebody walked up and said, "Hey, who won?" I said, "Michigan did in the second quarter." And they said, "Well, it's only an eight point football game." I said, "You have not been watching this one because um, Penn State couldn't try to score." Penn State again. I said it yesterday. James Franklin. I'm never one for calling for people's jobs. I don't like doing it. But if you told me as a Penn State fan you wanted him gone because he was snapping the football down two scores with 11 seconds left on the play clock and the time just ticking down under two minutes, I wouldn't be mad at you. I would not be mad at you because squatting on the football down two scores is some of the just we not trying to lose big today, but we're okay losing type shit I've seen in a minute on the, on the offensive side of the football. Uh, should we talk about Alabama? Yeah, I don't think it's worth it. They are good. Yeah. yeah, they are officially good, um, and it took them a while, and it took them some time. But Tommy Reese has figured out how to operate this offense with Jalen Milrow. And here was the cool thing about this one: if you're a Bama fan listening to today, um, Jalen Milrow gets hit right, gets a, a hit pointer first drive of the football game, uh, and then proceeds to kind of go off uh, on the sideline. Ty Simpson comes on, and then it's four touchdowns in a row, uh, one a quarterback sneak, but the other three were just Jalen Milrow dotting it up. I mean, standing in the pocket, throwing bombs. Standing in the pocket, throwing runners. Standing in the pocket, playing on time. Not something I thought we were going to see five weeks ago, guys. No. Not at all. I think this goes back to TT. I think Bama is one of the more dangerous teams in college football right now. And, and, and that's scary to say because a dangerous Bama team is one of the more dangerous teams in college football ever. But it's, it's going to be interesting to watch how these next few weeks play out with them, how they go. Yeah, I mean, f- the fact that they went into Kentucky and, I mean, you blinked and it was 21 nothing. it felt like. I mean, Very they quickly. put up points so quickly against Kentucky. Kentucky couldn't do anything to stop that offense and defensively. I mean, Alabama is really freaking good. So, they got both sides of the ball playing really, really well. I think that while this was not a ranked win or anything like that, this is nothing to hang your hat on resume-wise. This is a win where it was – that was necessary in the fact that you went on the road and you went and dominated like you – like we expect college football playoff contenders to do so. And you want to be playing your best brand of football, like Christian said, this late in the season – and that's exactly what they're doing. Alabama beat Kentucky this weekend like Alabama's beaten Mississippi State for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they dominated. Mm-hmm. And they showed up at an 11 o'clock local, right, in Kentucky, yeah. an hour behind. 11 yes. o'clock local kick. 
And like you said, they were up three scores like that. Jordan mm -hmm. Rodgers got to fly in a, a, a Blackhawk. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. That was pretty cool. Um, you know, the things you get to do when you work for the SEC and your brother's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. You know, those are cool things uh, to have happen for you in your life. Uh, it's good for him. Uh, anything else? Oh, Taron Arnold. Woohoo. Did you see that pick? Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Um, these guys can cover. That's the other thing. I, yeah. I know we don't want to do the SEC championship game matchup preview right now. Um, but their ability to cover, their ability for the quarterback to be the most dynamic and explosive athlete on the field, that 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 would scare me. Mm -hmm. That would scare me if I were a Georgia fan watching today. Um, but, you know, who knows? I, I think the it was interesting to go back and listen to the broadcast from Kirk and all those guys because Holly Rowe, I, I guess, got some intel on Jamon Dumas Johnson's injury that nobody else has gotten, which is a timeline. Um, she gave the timeline of college football playoff. So you would assume he's not going to be ready for dis early December. So yeah, um, that that football game. I, I, here's here's the, the the wild thing. C.J. Allen helps that that out in mm -hmm. terms of stopping mm -hmm. Jalen Milrow much more than Jamon Dumas Johnson does, mm -hmm. or as we call him around here, Pop, because the team speeds drastically improved. I think we noticed that Saturday if you watched Georgia play. Um, but no, Alabama is is peaking. You know For what sure. I mean? Peaking at the right time. I think if they played that Alabama-Texas game on a neutral field right now, Bama would be favored by like seven and a half points. For sure. For I sure. I think seven? I think seven. I think a full touchdown. Hmm. Oh, With yeah, the way that Texas has been playing the last couple of weeks and the way that Alabama has refound offense. Um, let's talk about Washington and Utah because um, Washington's defense did something you didn't think they could do. No. They, they showed up and played defense. And, and I got to say, I, I got to give Washington credit because they just keep winning games. And I, it's not something – I didn't think they would make it this far. So – I still don't believe that they're going to be anything serious when it comes to playoff time. I don't believe in the Pac-12 still, but <laughs> I have to give them credit because they have been winning games. They've been proving me wrong every week. So, I mean, you have to respect Washington and respect them as a potential college football playoff opponent because of that offense and because you have a really good quarterback and you have really good wide receivers, and that poses a threat every single weekend. Now, I don't know if this is the game that we want to give their defense credit to because it's Utah's offense. Utah's offense is not that great. I mean, they win football games because of their defense. Let's be real. Bro, guys, one score football game, okay? One score football game. Mm -hmm. Washington held this d offense from Utah to 57 total yards in the second half. Like, come on. It wasn't like they were just sitting on the football of Utah. No. Okay. They were actually trying. No. They, they, and I know Utah, the Barnes, Pig Farmer, I, I know all that. But, like, they played legit defense on Saturday. Yeah. They, they Like I said, they deserve credit for this game. I'm not going to take anything away from them. I don't think this is something where you go, oh, see, Washington is a legit team. Look what they did to Utah in the second half. That's not what I'm saying. I'm giving them credit, though. Okay. I'm giving their credit. I think they are a legit team. I think they I think they can contend pretty much with anybody offensively speaking. It just really depends on what kind of defense you are going to get. If you are going to get that defense that held them to 57 yards in the second half, Lord have mercy, you might go, need to go ahead and hand the national title now if that's the defense that you get. But it, 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 they're just such an up-and-down team, and that's one reason why I continue to hold back on them because I don't want to trust a team like that that's continuing doing this this late in the season. Those are scary teams to put your money in. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, the defense particularly has been very up and down. And, mm -hmm. and even the offense has an inexplicable game against, I believe it was Arizona State. Arizona yes. State. They get pinned up against Arizona State pretty hard. Um, so, yeah, that, that was very, very confusing. What was not confusing was that Oregon-USC game. It kind of panned out like we thought it would, except it was a nine-point win from Oregon. I thought they were at least going to cover um, due to some late points. But they kind of sat on their hands the entire, entire second half, it felt like, in this football game. At one point in this game – 
Bo Nix was two for three for 161 yards and two scores. That was wild. That was insane. That right there is a stat line. Ridiculous. Yeah. Just hang them up. We're good. <laughs> That's like straight up USC defense. Yeah, for sure. In a nutshell. And then, like I said, Oregon felt like they just sat on their hands um, until the last series of the football game. Check this one out. The last scoring drive for Oregon, or excuse me, the first scoring drive of the second half. As soon as they come out of the half, uh, out of halftime, Oregon gets the ball back. They go twelve plays, eighty-five yards, seven minutes of time of possession off the clock to open up the second half, and that was ball game. See you. That's Let's a see. death march in the beginning of the second half. That's and I think that's why um, Oregon has been impressed is because they can they can beat you in a multitude of ways offensively. They can do exactly what you just mentioned of 12 plays. We're just going to methodically work our way down the field. But they can also hit you with some explosives. They can score quickly. And Bo Nix is playing some really good football still. If it wasn't for Jaden Daniels, he might be the favorite to win the Heisman right now the way that he's playing and Oregon's playing. But continue to respect Oregon. You just got to win that one against Washington late in the season. Mm-hmm. I agree. Do we think they, they beat Washington? I think so. In the rematch? They've been so yeah. consistent. So consistent. I mean, so they even in the loss, they were super impressive. And I think they have so much. Like, even you know, even in a loss, they have to feel like they have confidence. Yeah, I mean, right? you're, like, you're, you can beat this team. You're a missed field goal from that game going to overtime and you possibly winning. Yeah, and that was absolutely. on the road, and that was midway through the season. You've improved as a team since then. Washington, like we said, has been very up and down. And by the way, the game's going to be a neutral site game when you play them again. So yeah. I, I would definitely lean Oregon in this game. I like that. Uh, last game we have a reaction on is that Oklahoma State football game. Holy smokes. Yeah, what the hell? That was – someone told me the final score of that football game, and I was like, excuse me? Yeah, 45-3. to three. UCF put a ass whooping on them. They got up on them quick, and John Rice probably played a phenomenal game. I was kind of watching it in and off, but that's one of those games to me where it's just like, oh, there's the Mike Gundy special. He, I feel like he's good for one of those once a season where it's just like, ah, there it is. Mm. Yeah, when you – I still don't understand what's going on with Oklahoma State, like how this happened, how you lose – we talked about last week, how you lose by 26 points at home to South Alabama. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, are, you are who we thought you were. You know what I mean? Oh, you go man. on the road and get thumped by UCF. Again, I said it on Sunday's show – Man, it would be uh, – frustrating is the wrong word. Unfortunate. Unfortunate the way the season has gone for uh, UCF. And are, are they the, the Argonauts now? What are they? They're not the Golden Knights anymore. I thought they were still no, the, they're Golden, still the Knights. Golden Knights. I, I don't know. We, we might check on this one. They, they wear Argonaut stuff all the time. They're like spacemen. They wore the spacemen well, that's, suit. That's because that's um, where the shuttle launch is. This is where the shuttle launch is. But I, I don't know if they're still the Golden Knights. I think they changed that to just the Knights a couple years ago. Something, something funky. Going on there with the 2013 national champions. 13 or 13, 12? 17. 17? Whatever. Scott Frost. It looks like they're still the Golden Knights. Okay. I'm improper on this. I'm, I'm wrong on this one. Okay. So maybe not. I think they just um, rep the space station stuff. So they It's kind of like uniform. Ole Miss and the Land Shark. Okay. Gus Miles is on another name that kind of got leaked out for A&M. I think that would no, be a goofy they, hire. They wouldn't do I think yeah. I think he's a better fit for like a Mississippi State than an mm-hmm. A&M. For sure. That's a good call there. For sure. Because I think, I think teams like Mississippi State, when you're not going to win recruiting battles, when you're not going to pump out high four and five-star teams, you need a good X's and O's guys like a Dan Mullen. Hmm. I think Gus Malzahn's a perfect fit for that. He's not going to recruit the world off, but he's going to draw up game plans and give you offenses that are going to be fun to watch and give you just enough to go – Seven and five, eight and four. Maybe you go ten and two one season. So I think you that's know, what it took them a roundabout through Harson, but I think Auburn got the right guy. 
mm-hmm. you know. Like, yeah. I thought Gus Malzahn was a tremendous coach for them because if basically if you can go 500 against Alabama, like you should never be fired. Yeah. I thought that was always my opinion on Gus. Like I don't mm-hmm. care if you're eight and five every other year. If you beat Bama every other year, lifetime contract. And so I was always surprised when they fired him, especially to have fired him and then do the whole – uh, interim head coach thing with Kevin Steele, shit the bet on that one, and then all of a sudden we're going to go out and hire Brian Harson. Like that, that's just, that's just weird, <laughs> weird for me. But they got the right one this time. Yeah, it was definitely interesting for to see where they got, how they got there. I think the problem that Auburn, Auburn suffers from is just they expect too much right now. They don't have the roster to do it. Yeah, I mean, but they beat the shit out of Arkansas this weekend. Golly, I'm surprised I, Sam Pittman didn't have to go home after that one. I, yeah, seriously, I. I Man, that's I, not what we expected. Not at we all. We expected those two football teams to duke it out for yeah. four quarters, and they dukied out I in mean, the I middle got, of the field. I gotta be honest, though. If I was, if I knew the Polar Express was gonna be on at halftime, I probably wouldn't be playing my best game. Either. Explain this story to me. You guys laughed about this pregame or pre-show. I don't know what you're talking about. It's a very short video, but basically, it's, it's, it's clearly someone's Snapchat story. Yeah. Someone from the team's Snapchat story. It's them in the locker room at halftime, and it's just showing several players huddled around a TV with the Polar Express playing. The movie. Yes. The movie. Which, of all the movies to play at halftime, I'm not sure why Polar Express is the selective choice. It's, but I'm watching it right now. This is a home game for them, too. I think so. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So somebody in the building definitely put this on in the in the locker room for them. Yeah. They, so the report came out. Sam Pittman, I believe it was one of the student athletes or one of the student coaches, mm-hmm. someone lower on the totem pole. He actually yeah. had to answer a question in the presser about this, and a lot of people were up in arms. I mean, it's Christmas, guys. Come on. <laughs> Where's your Christmas spirit, but bro? Of all the Christmas movies, we're picking Polar Express. Polar Express is one of the best Christmas movies. That's ooh. I'll uh-uh. I'll die on that hill. Uh-uh. I'll no. die on that hill. No, I know the weird, beard, the weird bearded man threw me off. On I'm that. okay with you having some crazy takes every now and then, and di- and going against the grain every now and then. I'm drawing the line right there. What's the best <laughs> Christmas movie then? Home Alone is up there. That's a great Christmas the movie. The Grinch, oh. Elf, Chris- a Christmas Story, National Lampoon's Christmas, Christmas Vacation. He's kind of cooking you right now, bro. Uh, Christmas Die Va- Hard. Those are all. <laughs> those are all better than Polar Express. Christmas Vacation and Elf are acceptable answers. I've fallen asleep Christmas story every time it comes. Santa on. Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus is, is better. Santa, than Santa Claus, Santa Claus, that's, Claus that's a good sequel. No, Polar Express is still top tier. Polar Express is literally the bottom of the barrel Christmas movie. That's like, well, we've already seen all the others. I no, guess we'll pull out Polar Express. Polar Express. Now. Y'all, want hear, y'all want to hear a funny story? Polar, about Polar Express, Express is the first Christmas movie yeah. I watched. All right, so um, Polar Express came out when we were like really young, my brother and I, or some version of it. The book's always been available, right? Um, we were very aware of the Polar Express story when we were kids. My mom thought it'd be a good idea, you know, the if you don't believe in Santa thing, you can't hear the bell ringing, right? Yeah. My mom bought a bell, opened the bell, because my brother came home from school one time and was like, Santa doesn't, Santa isn't real. Santa doesn't exist. So she opened the bell, Carefully. took the, the bell out of the bell, closed the bell, and then gave it to my brother and I as like a gift uh-huh. to like get my brother to rem- like, you know, believe in Santa again. And my brother goes ringing that thing. And I'm like three years old at this point, like four years old at this time. And he's like ringing that bell. My mom said I was sitting over in the corner, jumping up and down, going, I hear it. I hear it. I hear it. I hear it. He's real. He's real. Straight cap. Cap and hat right there in front of my brother. And my mom said my brother just started freaking out. He was like looking at it. He was like, what? What? 
he believed in Santa for a couple more years. So, <laughs> <laughs> shouts out to my dudes. <laughs> I, I, I'll have this argument off air, but we, we can move on. All right. Um, Heisman race, should we update it? It's over. It's over? It's over? It, it is over. Mm. It, this is interesting. It's over in my book. Give it to Jane Daniels right now. I said, Even with I, three losses? I said at halfway – yes. I said at halfway point of the season when we picked our MVP, I said Jane Daniels is the most valuable player in college football right now because if, if Jaden Daniels did not play for LSU right now, they would have more than three losses more than likely. They certainly wouldn't be worth watching anymore. The whole reason why everybody tunes into LSU football games right now is because they know Jane Daniels is going to do what he did this weekend, yeah. put up 300 passing yards, 250, over 250 rushing yards, and they're going to score 50-plus points. They're an exciting football team to watch because of Jane Daniels. Jane Daniels is playing some of the best football I have seen in a long time. That there's a fact. Yeah, but I mean, just because your team ha- you're the reason your team has a pulse doesn't mean you should be the Heisman contender. I mean, would they, you, for that reason, Caleb Williams should win it then. Are you not? Would you not agree, though, that he is playing the best football right Caleb now Williams in the country? Caleb Williams should not win it because Jaden Daniels is doubling that man's production but that's what right But now. what I'm saying is, like, if your whole argument is just because you're the reason the team has a pulse. No, you, I was you, saying you, that's why I picked him as my MVP. Okay, yeah, that's, that's why he's that's MVP. Fine. I think the problem he suffers from is he's not going to have that 13th game. While Carson Beck is battling out, while Michael Penix, while all these other guys are going to be performing would, in the grandest stage of them all, he's going to be on the couch. I would push this back because Caleb Williams was sitting at home during the Pac-12 championship last year. No, he wasn't. He played Utah. He, he lost to he Utah. He lost to Utah. He lost to Utah. Still won. Well, he lost but to but Utah. He, put up, he put up like 400 yards is the thing. I don't know, man. I this is a, it, What Jane Daniels is doing is something that we don't see very often, and that needs to be rewarded in my opinion. I agree, but also the problem he suffered from – Carson Beck had 300 passing yards. I know we kind of talked about how already he how he might not be in it. Bo Nix had a great game against USC. Marvin Harrison had three touchdown receptions and three straight drives. It's like all the contenders had great games last week. Just because Jaden Daniels ran all over against the Florida team, I don't I don't think that cements him. Okay, this guy is the Heisman winner. He didn't beat Bam. He didn't beat the best teams he played. I just don't. I don't know what the criteria is anymore to win the Heisman. I don't know if you have to be on a conference champion. I don't know if you have to be on a, an eleven win eleven win team. I don't know if like I don't I don't know I don't know what yeah, the I don't, rules I don't think are there's ever been for a, this rule. I don't think there's ever been war. a criteria. I no, mean, there hasn't. But there's always been an unspoken rule that you can't be on a quote unquote. You have to be on a winning like a good like national championship type football team. Mm-hmm. Like the only like Caleb defies this. I'd have to go Robert, Gr- Robert Griffin is probably the Robert best Griffin is the best de- like definition he was of someone a, who defied it. He had three losses. So but, I think that, that was, but I think that was also in a year where you didn't have star power like this. You didn't have a Michael Penix. You didn't have a Carson Beck. You didn't have a Marvin Harrison. Is that 2012? Have, 2011. Because who won in 12? Manziel won in 12, so it was 2011. All right, they were 10-3 and three that year, and Robert Griffin was responsible for 4,293 yards passing and 699 yards rushing. Right now, okay, uh, Jaden Daniels has 3,164 yards passing and 918 yards rushing. That's fine. Stupid. My, my so point. he's basically doing what – I mean, not quite through the air what Robert was doing, but he's doing what Robert Griffin did that year. Agreed. But then you'd have to look at the other finalists in 2011 because it wasn't stacked like you have this year. Mm-hmm. I think the talent around Jaden the, – the other talent in this year's – in this season is so high up, and the, plus the fact that, again – a lot of these guys are going to be playing 13 games. They're going to be having national audience. Carson Beck and Jalen Miller are going to throw in front of 8 million people. And that's fine if he doesn't win it. I'm just saying he should win it. He had an Andrew Luck season that year. He had an Andrew Luck season where he was uh, 288 completions on 404 attempts for 
3,500 yards, 37 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. So Robert had a much better year than him. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can't remember how Stanford finished that year. In 2011, they were 11-2 and two and uh, won their division. I don't believe they Man, won I miss the Stanford being good. Huh? I miss Stanford being good. I do, too. I miss Stanford being good. But, hey, that was Jim Harbaugh coaching. He was probably cheating back then, too. Uh, Trent Richardson finished third that year with almost 1,700 yards rushing. Um, and Mont Monty Bell. You remember Monty Bell? Oh, is that Wisconsin? the – Yeah, Wisconsin. Wisconsin had almost 2,000 yards rushing that year. Um, See, I mean, it's not a quarterback-heavy list. No, it is not. So, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, the quarterback play this year is so astronomical. Last In 2011, you had what? Robert Griffith, your face is distracting me. What is Bro. it? Bro. Oof. Case Keenum throwing for 5,600 yards? What world of college yeah, football were they playing? Exactly. Holy it's shit. Exactly. So it's Case Keenum, so he's not going to light the world. My point is Oof. that you've still got a Michael Penix. You've still got a Carson Beck. You've still got Bo Nix. You've still got all these electric guys I think are going to go above Jaden Davis. That's Bro, why I'm saying I don't think he should win it. We got people out here talking about Jaden Daniels having a historic year and freaking Case Keenum threw for 5,600 yards. Yeah, exactly. Jaden Daniels ain't even on pace to throw for 4,000. That's nuts. He should win it. He should win it. I still think I, he's the best. He's had the best season. And it's one of those years, man, where you're, you're, you're talking about Bo Nix, you're talking about Michael Penix. They're having great years, but they're not having astronomical seasons. No, not record-breaking record seasons. Yeah, no, not, a, not a Joe not Burrow. Close. Yeah. Jane Daniels is – I mean, every every single weekend, it's like he does something crazy every single weekend. I, th I think he has all the Heisman lore around him. Again, even if he doesn't win it, that is okay, but I'm saying he should win it. That's yeah, all I'm over saying. over 600 yards of total offense on Saturday. Um, it's ridiculous. I think 385 through the air and 280 through the ground. Mm -hmm. um, I, I remember the stats. I have them from last night or from Sunday. Ridiculous. On Saturday, when he threw the ball, he averaged 20 yards per completion. Okay, 22 yards per completion on Saturday night. And when he ran the ball, he averaged 19 and a half yards per carry. Oh, my gosh. Nice. So, yeah, he's doing some absolute video game type stuff. Um, I would vote for him to be the Heisman Trophy winner just because I'm not one of these. I think what he has done this year at LSU is far more impressive than what Bo Nix, Michael Penix, or even Carson Beck has done this year for their football programs um, because they have to score 60 to win every week, mm -hmm. and they've managed to do so against some really, really good football teams. And by the way, their three losses, I mean, if he doesn't get hurt against Alabama, that might be a two-score game. It's not a three-score game like it ended up being. Agreed. They went down to the wire with Ole Miss in a loss, and, yeah, they got kind of handled against Florida State, who turned out to be a pretty daggum good football team. Yeah, yeah. and, I mean – he also has one of the worst defenses in the sport right now. So, like, maybe the history of the SEC. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, it, it's really bad. And he and they're in those football games because of him. Only because of him. You got anything else? No, nah, I mean, I'm good. I'm good too. Hey, that was our show for the night. We had three bangers, seven, eight, nine, right here on the channel. If you like this type of stuff, the only way to support it is to make sure you're subscribing, telling your friends about us. I didn't see a college game day sign on Saturday. Not going to lie, a little bit disappointed in you. Um, but I love you, and we'll see you tomorrow.